one. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Uncensored Critic Podcast. Thank you for joining me once again for another episode with a very, very special guest. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome along Mr. Abdullah Khan, one of the most promising young directors of our time. And it's an absolute honor to have him on today. So let's take a moment to introduce Abdullah at such a young age. Uh, he's achieved so much with his career and he's only just getting started with some incredible stuff behind him already. Uh, he began his career in the film industry as a runner for the BBC and Channel 4 and Fox. He's taken part in both the BFI Film Academy at Pinewood Studios and the National Film and Television School, producing a film called The Narrator, which went on to appear at the BFI South Bank with representatives from Lucasfilm Limited in attendance. For, for anyone who doesn't know, they're the guys behind Star Wars. Uh, and at the age of 18, he went on to work on some of the biggest films over the last few years, and one of them, of course, being Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw, and Sam Mendes' 1917. And following that, uh, Abdullah spent time as a trainee on 1917. He was then offered a role at Neil Street Productions, which is Sam Mendes' company. In 2021, he founded Rosebud Films, making his directorial debut with Find the Light, which stars George Mackay, which premiered at the Manchester Film Festival. And we currently are awaiting his second short film, uh, Path to Ecstasy, with Mike Gibson, Louis Circus, and myself. And he is... And in 2022, he was selected as Forbes's under 30, as, a, as an honoree, under 30 in the entertainment category, a prestigious honour very few have. And it's an absolute honour to have you on today, sir. Abdullah, how are you, sir? I'm good, Oliver. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's no, a no. pleasure. You've no, had so many cool guests already, including Michael as well, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Mike, Mike was amazing. Yeah, we talked all about Hamilton and stuff. And just, and I, he was talking about one night they had... It's like actual members of royalty in as well. It was crazy. It's uh, absolutely mad. They had to like oh. scooch them in through the back door. There's like secret passageways through the theater and stuff like that. They, that's what he was talking about. It was like the secrets of the theater. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, man, um, so th thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, so we start with the starter question for today, which is where did it all start for you, man? Where did the love of directing and filmmaking start for you? Where did it come from? Yeah, I mean, I think it pretty much from a very young age, I've always had a passion for watching movies and I've been a movie fan. So I, th I guess it's probably started, the passion came from first being a movie fan and then getting to a certain point where I was like, I did a BFI Academy course and I realized, oh, wait, we made a movie basically at Pioneer Studios. And I was like, oh, cool, it is possible to make something. And then in the end, we were quite proud of the final product. And so so it was so it was a journey in terms of like from a very young age watching a ton of movies whether it be finding nemo the lion king or lord of the rings or whatever <laughs> and then like getting to a point where you're in school and you you kind of i i i, I kind of didn't have many friends and i was quite isolated mm. and and i guess this course came about and then we made a movie together and it felt so wholesome and collective and i felt like i made friends for life and some of those people i'm still in touch with today and i think i was around 16 17 at the time um so it's pretty much started from that from that academy, that course, that first attempt at giving it a go in making a movie, mm -hmm. and then yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of how it all unfolded. Very good, very nice, man. So, so how, how did you get in, how did you get into the industry? What were your first kind of few projects like? I guess it was that that course was that course again was a big deal. So that was the first step in. And then what I was doing is I was I just kept coming into London and attending networking events and mm. 
um, courses and just trying to engage and try to get a foot in. I didn't know anyone in the industry. I didn't, you know, no family or friends or relatives or anyone. So it was just like, I, once I did that course, it gave me a big boost. And I was like, if this is what filmmaking is about, I just want to be a part of it. So I just started trying to get my foot into the door and, uh, you know, via Facebook groups and BFI Academy and BAFTA and all sorts of, you know, rain dance events. And I just kept attending them. And then just a couple of people, uh, you know, responded well and said, add me up on Facebook. And then I'll add them up on Facebook and they might post something in a couple of weeks and they need a runner. And I'll just, I'd, I'd pretty much go to everything so if I, I was working and I was also studying so within the free time I'd have on the weekends mm. or, or the holidays I would I would sort of try and work as much as possible and that was that was sort of the way it began and some of those jobs were unpaid pretty much all of them were unpaid to be honest but that wasn't really something I was thinking about it was more just let me go on these sets let me do the best I could do and let me just try and build a network and over time, I guess that portfolio just built and then I applied to an opportunity through the BFI to work on the Star Wars film mm. and um, uh, and the Rise of Skywalker. And, and I guess uh, even that I was in school and I was trying to finish A-levels and it, I missed out on a few opportunities and it was quite heartbreaking, actually. Um, but eventually I finally got my foot into the door and and yeah, haven't looked back since. <laughs> That's great, man. Um, let, let, can we just quickly touch on Star Wars? What was that whole experience of working on as part of the biggest franchise, I think, well, one of the biggest franchises of all time. Yeah, it was genuinely insane. I, I got the job when I was 18. I'd just finished A-level, so it was a week after I finished school. I got on, I got on to the, got on Star Wars. I was working in Nando's as well, so I left my job and left school and went straight into Star Wars. And, and I guess it was just insane. Like, it was hmm. um, day one, you're sort of, uh, you know, my my boss was like, oh, you've got a big smile on your face. I want to take that smile off your face. <laughs> and always pick up a handheld monitor and go and stand next to J.J. Abrams and his DOP and First AD. And they were trying to figure out the scene and Adam Driver's in shot. And, and they kept looking over to me because I was holding the monitor and I was, like, so self-conscious. I was this like young kid not knowing how I've ended up here and yeah it was genuinely a, a surreal experience and um and yeah so many memories and it was like a start I guess it was the beginning of everything in a way um and I just learned so much I just met such so many incredible people in so many different departments and mm. and I guess I've always I was always very positive and had a smile on my face and made a lot of mistakes as well I wasn't perfect but uh, I think that really helped in people just taking a liking to me and just yeah. Um, so, so, so I ended up, you know, connecting with a lot of people and learning so much. Amazing. And uh, what's JJ Abrams like as a person? What's he? What's he like to be around? Yeah, he's one of the most humble, uh, respectable people that I've that I've met. To be honest, he's um, quite an inspiration. On that film, it was it felt like he had so much pressure on him, but he also had so much power. Mm. And he always would whenever you know whenever he would attend i was working on the second unit so main unit usually focus on the actors and the dialogue etc second unit focus on the stunts and the big set mm. pieces and he would be going between the two units and whenever he would walk onto our set it would be quite intimidating but he would literally sometimes i'll be exiting the studio door he'd uh, open you know open the leave the door open for me or say morning or say afternoon or whatever he would always try to communicate yeah. how are you doing or whatever and and just to observe him actually even just even when he would get frustrated for example it would be so respectable and uh and and just and just such a privilege to watch to be honest um mm. yeah i guess the star wars fan base is a fan base you can't please and uh, really to be honest <laughs> as as of late and and i guess working on that film just watching him go through that 
uh, where he had to like serve the story, but he also had to serve the fan base. And it was, it just, it was kind of crazy. I never want to be under that much pressure in my life, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that big gig's coming for you, man. It's coming. But um, so as a filmmaker now, so you did all that, you know, that amazing stuff working on with Star Wars and at Neil Street with Sam Mendes and stuff. So how do, how do you prepare yourself um, for set? I mean, as a filmmaker now and and as you were sort of as uh, 18 and involved in Neil Street and um, and Lucasfilm Limited. Um, I guess I prepare in different ways. It's very instinctive. So if, if I come up with an idea, um, I would just sort of follow what I'm feeling, I guess. So, so for example, if I were, if I come up with an idea and it reminds me of a different movie, I'll start to think about that movie. I'll start looking at the script. I'll start watching the clips. I'll start like studying the character's journey. I'll start. So it really comes down to references first, actually, when I start preparing for a movie. So, um, you know, it could be, it could be a scene from Manhattan or a scene from Come and See or a scene from The Godfather yeah. or a scene from most of the time it ends up being the fellowship of the ring, the first Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's just so embedded in my brain. Um, um, but basically, the masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. It's actually a masterpiece. I'm not even going to say anything else. Uh, <laughs> but like, um, but yeah, so, so it starts off with references and then I start having uh, vivid images of the beginning and the end. And, and, and sometimes it could just be the beginning. Sometimes it could just be the end. Or sometimes it could just be like a, just the scene and I'm trying to figure out how do I get to that scene and how do I come out of that scene and how does this, what is the story here? And I guess once I have the story, how I prepare to go on set, which is I think what you were asking mm. is um, I like to storyboard. I like to meet up yeah. with uh, and spend a lot of time with all the collaborators and, you know, the cast. I like to sit with them one-to-one, just talk about um, the characters, talk about uh, the story and just get to know them a bit better and then like to, I like to put them all, get them all together, whether it's a Zoom read through or if it's an in-person one, and you can workshop yeah. the script and make it better than what you've templated. Um, and yeah, so it's just like a very organic thing. I, I guess I'm a very prep-heavy person. I like to, I like to think that films are actually made in prep and they're captured on set. That's that's how I feel about it. So the more prep I can do, the more I feel like there is freedom for spontaneity when you're on set. So. Um, I like to go in having a very clear vision and, you know, things do change and that's that they, they change, uh, they change on set, they change in the edit and you have to be open to that. Mm. Um, in the end, you just have to serve the story. Oh, amazing. And so I said, that brings on to the next question is a good follow on, which is uh, what are the challenges that you get on set and like, how do you, how do you work around them in a way? And like more so now as you know, you've, carved out your own production company and rosebud and everything now as commander in chief as you were with path to xc and stuff so how how do you yeah what are the challenges and how do you sort of go about fixing them yeah i mean like film filmmaking is just the is literally you're just uh, like the process of film uh, film directing for example is literally you're just trying to make sure that the film gets made and in, in doing so there are so many obstacles and challenges to get over and that that is different day to day so mm. it could be that so, a scene isn't working for an actor and you just have to find that you have to find you have to find that little glimpse of what you're looking for and that could be an adjustment with the actor that could be a, a changing in terms of the blocking and that could be a camera movement that could be one actor not responding to the other it could be so many different things and I guess you just mm. have to sort of be intuitive about that and and be in the moment and just and because 
especially if you're the director and you've written the script you know the script well and you and you know what you want it's just like you have to sort of just observe what's happening in front of you and be like is this telling the story and is it serving is it being told the way that is right for the story or right in terms of does it fit the vision almost yeah um and sometimes it doesn't and sometimes you know your expectations are sort of thrown out the window and it's exceeded people when you put actors together or you get, get incredible talent to work with you they actually end up doing things that you didn't even think of and that's that's the really special thing mm. about about working with uh such artists and stuff in in the film industry um mm. but yeah there's so many challenges you know there's the that's just the practical side of directing and working with actors and 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 just sort of touching on that and then there is um also the production side of it so you know you might lose a permit or someone doesn't turn up or now we have this whole thing with covid it's just like if one person gets covid you know there's bubbles and do people turn up on set and uh, i think it's gotten better now and it's much more it's very much going back to like it was yeah but i think the covid side of it just added a whole layer of complications and difficulty and even getting a film made um and 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 i guess pre-covid the the things that you already had to worry about um were just making sure that everyone gets there on the day and you have you have access to everything that you signed up for mm. and and there is always something that gets thrown in you know in your face and um, i guess one of the example would be like for example not a personal example but like just some general film history example it's like for example um where uh, martin scorsese he was shooting goodfellas and um, and it's that very famous sequence where Ray Liotta um, goes through the, the club and he goes through the kitchen. I guess they didn't. The reason they ended up going through the kitchen and that long take and um, and and uh, and that, that brilliant sequence, which inspired so many films like Boogie Nights, etc. Afterwards, that was actually something that he wasn't intending. It was mm. it was something that came as an accident almost because they didn't have a, a, a access to the front entrance, <laughs> so he had to improvise. <laughs> And then they had to go around the back and that wow. is now film history. And actually it works so well for the story as well. It shows that that character at the height of his life almost, and he gets access through the back and doesn't go through the front where everyone else goes through. So I don't know, it just added something, another layer. So sometimes mm-hmm. that level of spontaneity can happen when you are given these um, sorts of obstacles or things that you have to sort of overcome. Um, a personal sort of example would be like on my first film, I had an actress um, to play the mother and um, she she was on a Netflix production and she's basically uh, signed on and it was just like three days before the 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 film, the filming process for our production. And she basically said to me, she basically called us up and she was like, um, I'm on a Netflix show. And uh, apparently that uh, like it, she was like, can you send your COVID protocols and to the Netflix production? We sent it to them. They said, you guys have done the best you can, but we can't risk our actor catching COVID on your set and then coming on to our set afterwards because mm. you'll get you'll be the ones getting in trouble. Mm. And, you know, that production was like millions of pounds. And, and our production was this little small indie with a couple of bucks. <laughs> and we couldn't risk it. We couldn't do it in the end. Yeah. She had to pull out and we had to find someone else. And that was like a last minute sort of challenge to overcome. And yeah, so so the whole process is just overcoming challenges and making making it work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it has kind of, you've, you've answered sort of my next question really, which was like life on set. And, you know, for, for, I mean, I suppose like there is one aspect of it. So for anyone who doesn't, 
who hasn't been on a set before, you know, how would you sort of describe it anyway? You've probably, you've probably answered it already, but if there's anything else you could describe life on a set by exactly. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a community. It's a, it's a brilliant thing. People are coming together and trying to create art. Um, mm. And I've been on sets where people are really motivated and they know they're part of something special. And I've been on sets where people um, are not, don't like the script and they don't, like the team and and they, they don't quite vibe together and mm. they can't wait to go home um and 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 it's mostly it's the first sort of people just love being in films that's why they do what they do i think when when the latter sort of outcome happens that that's usually down to um i guess just a lack of vision and you know so so it's just i guess i guess film sets are just full of cool very cool people artists um and and they just, yeah it's it's a very special place mm. and you can sort of you know you have the camera team and around the camera team you have like a layers of other departments you have the props stand by the whole you know they're standing by ready to hand the lightsaber or, or the weapon or uh whatever else it is and and then you have like uh the electricians and the sparks and you know the camera electric department is a quite big department so it has grips who move the camera you have um uh, hair and makeup costume all standing by ready to go in and um and, and on say you have special effects these are all different types of departments and people just sort of standing by ready to do their jobs um and and to make the movie and then also outside of set you have hundreds and thousands of people sometimes um and that the, they they are sort of creating the costumes they're prepping the special effects and testing those things and 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 they are setting up the next uh the the for example the lighting team they half of the team or most of the team might be in the lex location setting up and rigging and mm. creating um yeah the, <clears throat> setting that up for the next week or the next day so there it's such a big collaboration and so many people um, yeah. involved and and yeah if you're starting out and you're going on this set there's just so many incredible people that you can meet and get to know and learn mm. so much from yeah it's exciting i, I remember being on um your set in, in Guildford in, in, in the nightclub and everything. And um uh it's just it's just that the hustle and bustle of it. I find it really, really exciting. Everyone like working together to make the same thing. And you're looking around and there's constantly something happening and it, it's it's really great. Um so that's sort of the the I suppose the the bones of 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 a film and then comes like the adding the fleshing it out really which is in post-production in the editing room. Uh, you know, I've made a made a short film last year, and the, the editing part I found to be the most stressful and uh, the most really <laughs> kind of tedious. And you think you're done, and then you, there's a shot which doesn't quite work, and then you have to go back and change it, and it's like, oh, it's a tedious process. But um, yeah. so, for, so what what's what's been your experience of editing rooms, and what can you tell people about what happens in that process of finalizing it and all cutting it together? Mm -hmm. I guess editing. It's something I really enjoy actually. It's it's actually the first thing I wanted to do when I joined, uh, when I was sort of looking to go into the industry when I was around 16. Is the first the first way in for me was editing. And then mm. and then I ended up producing and then I organically ended up being a director. But um but I've always had a thing for how sound and visuals cut together and how you can sort of structure them in terms of rhythm and timing and how that could give you a different emotional response especially with people responding to the image and the sound if you just slight do a slight adjustment it can have a totally different sort of um you know result in terms of how people 
perceive it and and i guess it's it's such a balance in trying to find that uh, and and i guess as a film lover and a, a viewer of film um i've sort of learned a a subconscious thing when it comes to how things are cut and how timing and rhythm and stuff like that but mm. in terms of the process of uh, editing i guess to answer your question um i really look forward to it and i really enjoy it it is very stressful at first because especially um on on my last few shorts the the, the, the you know the first and the second short that i did as a director it was like you have a very clear idea and you think you're going to get that and then you have you end up getting something slightly different and you have to sort of accept that and come to terms with that and then it takes a little while to get to a point where you're you know comfortable with what you have and then when you when you are getting to that point you just mm. have to serve the story you have to change things get rid of things things that you thought were going to work don't actually work things new things if you you know if you're on set and you were being spontaneous and you tr tried uh, to get a, a little bit extra coverage of different things um mm. you can end up changing the film and making it better in some ways um mm. <laughs> one thing I'm learning is that when you're in the writing stage, you try to write more. And I'm someone who actually tries to make it quite tight when I'm when I'm script writing. I'm quite brutal. I try to just be like, okay, what is it that I because I try to visualize it. I'm like, okay, this is how it's gonna cut, this is how the sound's gonna play out. And I go into it with a very clear vision. But then in the edit, I realize that it just needs to be tighter, it needs to be faster. It's not actually what I it's like you go in with a vision, and sometimes that vision is doesn't have the right pacing it's actually not the right it's not actually people are not going to be engaged so you have to then change that up in the edit so it's actually quite an exciting process in trying to in terms of trying to find your movie what is your movie um so i do i do, I do really enjoy the editorial process um yeah it is very stressful but you have so much time to think about the movie and try to find what you need and also if you're struggling and 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 didn't get everything you wanted there is always the possibility of a pickup day depending on your budget. So you can leave those gaps. I usually stick storyboards in for the things I still need. Yeah. Um, Lottie, who's Lottie Brocklesby, who's our, who's also one of the cast members in part AC, but she has worked with me on the last few shorts and even the ones I produced. Um, she, I, we usually sit down and we just do storyboards for everything. And then if we have a pickup day, she also does those. And I just stick them into the edit sequence and I just, it gives you a really solid idea of how it's going to cut together mm. and even before going into the movie i storyboard everything and i and i go on location and i you know i start with i start with storyboards and then i go on location and i start taking actual images with people standing or moving or doing things in the positions i feel like the actors are going to end up instinctively walking into mm. and then i just sort of cut this whole thing together and i get the composer to do like a little soundtrack for it, a little template and then just getting a sense of what this film is going to be. And I might share it with some of the collaborators so they know what we're about to make. And if they have any thoughts or they think something doesn't work or they need something, we might need extra coverage, extra footage, then they can say something then. And that's really worked well for me, this process so far. Yeah, mm, Amazing, man. So let, let's get on and talk about some of your films that you've made so far. We'll start with your uh, with the first short film that you made, which was Find the Light. Uh, which starred George Mackay and Seema Bowery, and uh, which I've which I've seen, and I think it's a really, really beautiful film, and it's a really, really good insight into how into current events and 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 to how um, you know the, the the tricky question of you know like fitting in in a way and finding the light in in yourself. 
so you don't let bad people sort of destroy it in a way. Would that be a fair way of, of looking at it? Yeah, it is about, you know, isolation and 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 I guess I wouldn't say they're bad people. I think when you're when you're young, people fear what they don't understand. Yeah. And and I guess, you know, a lot of those people now I don't like I firstly to say that find the light is very personal for me and it's it's very much based on much uh, a, a point in my childhood um and mm. and I guess for me even writing the script it was very therapeutic of just putting trying to make something because I really wanted to make a movie but I just wanted to sort of address things I hadn't really addressed I guess and mm. um and that involved a lot of reflection and what I was trying to say was that some of those people that sort of inspired some of those characters that aren't very nice to the protagonist um, or bullied the protagonist and sort of chanted racist, um, you know, things at him. <clears throat> the, those people in reality, I don't really have anything against them at this point. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, they're, they're also 13, 14, 15, 16, and they're also brought up in a certain environment where people are a certain way. And, and I and I guess yeah. they're also learning. And also, let me give you this example, right? Yeah. When I when I was directing the opening section of Find the Light, where the bullies sort of, um, yeah, the bullies sort of um are chasing the the young boy. I saw I, I they're chasing the camera. I I was I went up to the to the cameraman and I said, you know, this is how we're gonna do it. We're gonna you're gonna be struggling. You're gonna be running. You're the victim. Blah 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 blah. So and then same with the protagonist. When in other scenes, I basically told him where his headspace is, what's happening, how he's being bullied, you know, whatever else, what's happening in his private life, all sorts of stuff. But when I was with the bullies and 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 the antagonists, um, I was also giving their perspective. I was saying, listen, this guy doesn't listen to you. He's he's um incredibly weird. He's he's and I was just pretty much going all out and really taking their side because they mm. also have a perspective. It's not to say who is right or who is wrong. It's very, that is very clear, <clears throat> but there is always a point of view from both sides and there's a reason people do things. So that was really important for me. So that's just addressing the, you know, the, the thing you said, bad people. So I was just like, but in terms of the general uh, film, the, the film is uh yeah very personal and an incredible learning experience for, mm. for a first for my first film and I, I just wanted to put something together so i'm really grateful there's you know there's people like uh, my producing uh my producer who uh lucas ferrara who um believed in the project and mm. and i remember pitching it to him and um he 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 was a big part of making it a reality and then people like george mckay mm. who um who also you know to to do a film like uh to do a film by by someone who's never made a movie and also not an incredibly big role but for me very crucial role and he just loved the script and he read it and i'm so grateful to him for doing the movie Mm. Um, but also just all the other collaborators and stuff as well you know even people who i might not continue to work with to be even be involved and to make the movie it was a big thing i for them to believe in me and even help me in making the movie um so so yeah there's 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 quite a lot of people i would uh, you know i would thank for for that first experience but most importantly i'm so grateful to have just made something and learned so much from it and and yeah for me it's like the beginning of everything but like i might have said that earlier for for that star wars as well but that's like my journey in film but this is more my journey in directing yeah yeah amazing 
And um, so then that's a good lead into uh, the main thing, I think, for, for today, which is your upcoming second short film, which is Path to Ecstasy, which is about a, well, I'll, I'll let you do the explaining. I wasn't very good at it just now. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it's something that we worked on together. We shot it in a nightclub in Guildford um, Casino over a weekend. And I came back again for some pickup shots and stuff. Uh, it was a real... It was, a, it was a real great experience, I think, from someone who was involved in the project. I think it was really um, all the hustle and bustle of it, really, and as well, because it takes place in a nightclub. And I think we started shooting at like 10 or 11 in the morning. You know, we were getting dressed up in our nightclub best, walking to the nightclub at 10 o'clock in the morning. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> it's, it's very new. Um, so, yeah. With weirdos turning up, <laughs> going early morning. I don't know, but it was like 10 a.m., right? All yeah, dressed it was, up, yeah. turning up. People on the street are just like, what is wrong with these people? Yeah. yeah. It's like, we were inviting like, them. We were saying we need more extras. Come in, come and join <laughs> us. <laughs> They're probably thinking, wow, they've had a good night. Jesus, no, it's still going. I don't think they were thinking that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the positive one anyway. But um, so yeah, tell tell us about that. Um, your, what people can expect from your next short film, um, Path to Ecstasy. Yeah, so Path to Ecstasy is about a young boy who is neglected or kicked out of home by his stepfather. Um, and then he goes on a journey of uh, sort of self-discovery, but he's trying to, he's trying to leave this group and, and he's also searching for love and he's also trying to let go of drugs. And there's a lot going on with this character. So it's about, so yeah, it's about this young boy's struggle, um, personal struggles, but also his search for love and, um, and and yeah, so so that that's so sort of past to ecstasy. He's trying to trying to find that sense mm. of fulfillment, and of and yeah, so it's 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 a film which we've just recently finished. So that's very exciting. Of it's been such a long time. I I basically came up with the idea in October of 2021, and then we finished it, I guess in February of 2023. So it's been a long wow. process and getting it made, but. It's also so exciting, you know. A few close friends of mine have seen it, and people, a few people in the industry, and uh, yeah, it's it's so great to see that people are resonating with it. Mm. And you know, it's about the spiking epidemic, to be honest. Um, in terms of the, there is that there is that centered relationship between a father and a steps, uh, you know, a stepfather and a stepson, but um, it is also sort of commenting on, um youth culture today and in clubs and how easy it is for people to get spiked and how one takes advantage of another and and yeah so sort of bringing light onto that mm. whilst also being an incredibly entertaining hopefully an incredibly entertaining ride for people um i wanted to make something which was very different to my first film so my first film was quite dialogue heavy uh, not dialogue heavy sorry it was very visual and 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 sort of subtle and quiet and then this film I wanted to quite do the opposite which is make a dialogue heavy film and um, with lots of characters um, instead of one lead try to have two leads and and sort of play with lots of different things and play with the supernatural but also play with reality and mm. submerge the two and and I guess in Find the Light we did a little bit of that with the dream world and the real world but this yeah. film yeah sort of goes into supernatural territory yeah it's just it's just something I'm so excited for people to see um, in terms of how I came up, came up with the idea, it all really started with this one image, which is I'm not going to spoil it, but it's pretty much 
I don't want to keep the contact or anything like that, but it's pretty yeah. much about a miserable individual sort of holding his head, sitting at a table, and then the camera pushes in and finds this person. Yeah, and I'm not going to say anything else. Yeah. But that was that was the starting point. And then I was like, how do we get to this point? And 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 that is that is that was a very organic process in just finding the movie. Um and and yeah. So so th- so that was the journey in trying to come up with the idea with that. And mm. a little bit about what it's about. I actually have not talked to people about what like I've not had to explain what it's about yet. So this is quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think people are really gonna I love it. I mean, I'm excited about it. I mean, it was great to be a part of it as well. Um, so in terms of like the experience you had, because Find the Light was your first film uh, of you, you know, taking the reins and actually going for it. When you come back to taking the reins again for a second time, how, how does it feel? Um, so how did Path of Ecstasy feel of creating that compared to Find the Light? Yeah, I mean, each film is a stepping stone, um, especially short films. They're just they're a place to learn and experiment and try things. And um, I guess in some ways it was easier, but in some ways it was more difficult. So mm. I found it much easier to direct actors on this second film. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was. Yeah, I felt like I knew my process much better. And, I, you know, and, and, and other other things were more difficult, like trying to get the camera language correct and getting getting my vision across and stuff like that and and it was a little bit of a chaotic chaotic experience but one thing i learned which is give yourself more time so Mm -hmm. we did have to slice things on the day and stuff like that which is fine but it's also sometimes if you plan a schedule better you can give yourself more time and try to get as as much as possible but looking at the final product i don't really it, you know it it is it, it's not i don't really regret it because i'm like oh this actually works we ended up so it is sort of just trying to come to terms with you have a certain vision what happens on the set happens on the set and then in post production you have what you have and you kind of just need to make mm-hmm. it work and i'm really glad it's it's a piece which people are resonating with because it's very difficult for me to uh, sort of step away from what i initially had in mind so it's like Mm-hmm. um so yeah it's, it's an incredibly uh incredible learning experience and uh was so fun to work with so many different people and artists again and yeah lots of lessons learned as well so going into my third and final short which i'm working on now i'm going to try and do a lot of things differently but right. also keep a lot of things the same and and that is that is something i'm really looking forward to so so yeah each project is it, it's its own sort of special thing mm. yeah so when um so where will people be able to to access it when it's available? Well, hopefully, I'm hoping that we can release a trailer in a couple of weeks, um, or very soon, and we're just waiting on a confirmation for that. And then after that, I'm hoping uh, we can release it into festivals uh, and worldwide. And then, and then after it's played in festivals, blah, blah blah, we can release it online for people to to engage with and watch whenever yes. they want and. So it's going to have to go through that usual short film circuit journey. Cool. Um, but yeah, it should be available for people in London to watch at some point. I will be sharing it on uh, my Rosebud Films uh, sort of social media stuff if we ever have a screening or whatever. Mm. Um, but it's very exciting. People will be able to watch it, I'm sure. There's always like online links at some of these festivals as well. They, they have mm-hmm. their main screenings in person, but then they also, some of them, they do I'll put it online and um if you subscribe to their uh, festival then then you can watch it mm. fantastic i think um 
I, don't, I think it's going to be a great a great thing for everyone i think and you know you, your work's just, just going to keep getting better now and i think so obviously you're in uh pre-production one for second just to cut you you were incredible in the film by the way like i you know oh. it's it's just like it was very cool to and lots of your peers as well from the uh from from the from the drama school they were just uh yeah yeah uh, brilliant and and just so cool to watch and you guys are so like motivated and inspiring yeah. for me and and it was just like i just wanted to it was also so difficult because we had to uh we we didn't have that many extras and we just had to keep using you guys and luckily i feel like in the film we've hidden you guys so it's like you can't really like you we can spot you obviously when you're on screen but yeah when you were re reusing you it doesn't actually like it's not obvious that it's you so so it looks like it's a busy club which is great but yeah you guys was you guys are absolute legends so thank you thank you for doing the film as well it was, it was a genuine honor yeah. i know thank you thank you for the for the call out thank you for asking us to do it i think I think for I can't speak for everyone, but it was just so nice to be. I mean, I don't, I've done a few extras jobs on uh, Sign a Witness and EastEnders and stuff like that, and you know, um, you know that that experience. Yeah, it was it was nice being on set, but actually being on your set, you, we I felt really included and I felt really really engaged with the project, and that's a testament to your. You mentioned that word earlier, community as well. How you created this bond, I think, with everyone. Everyone felt like they were in touch as and everyone felt important in a way that was my perspective of it and i'm sure others would say the same thing but yeah but it was a really lovely set that you create man and i think and you know i think a great set means great work which you do anyway so so that's great oh thank you oliver thank you yeah i mean i, I can't make a movie without people like you and you know mike gibson and all sorts of people working behind the scenes so yeah i owe it to everyone else so, so yeah thank you for being involved on it oh no, no, no the pleasure was all mine man the pleasure was all mine so, uh, so obviously you mentioned you you've got your next short film in 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 pre production already. Obviously, we're not going to ask too much too many details about that because that's up for for your creative mind. Um, so, going into your third and potentially your final short, um, what do you, do you think? You're are you are you thinking? Okay, I know exactly what to do now. I mean, I'm ready to go. Or is there still some things that you'd like to sort of ha have a look at again that maybe? You, you haven't looked at before if that makes sense yeah so i've got a couple of projects in the works i mean i mentioned i'm doing a, a final short film i just want to sort of everything i've learned from the first film two films i want to just sort of do a third film and put everything into it and just see how that works out and the third film is set uh, i could say a few things it's set in a cinema it's called screening room and it's going to be about uh yeah it's going to be a sort of uh, a film about human connection and mm. two people meeting each other in a cinema um two random strangers uh film 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 goers and yeah so so there's i'm currently in a stage where i've written the script i'm uh, redrafting it currently and i've got i'm going to start approaching collaborators and stuff for that so amazing it's very exciting yeah Great. um and hopefully something we can shoot later in the year um and and then I've got two feature films, which which I'm also sort of very much in in the middle of, um, in terms of their their journeys. Um, the, there's one that's a very personal film called Far From Home, um, which is about a young boy who is sort of uh, trying to come back to his home country and his mother. And then I've also got uh, a film which is probably going to be my first feature, fingers crossed, which is a mm -hmm. horror, and it's about um, it's about a young man who escapes in a coal sacrifice and then uh, goes on a journey to find his loved ones. So 
so yeah those are kind of the things i'm working on at the moment to talk about them very briefly yeah uh but but yeah so there's lots to have it's really cool to get part of ecstasy done and then these other <laughs> these other projects which has been which have been really working um you know their way through i can now focus on them great yeah. and um you mentioned there about you know mm-hmm. you know parts being done i think another question for today was how do you know when a film's done in a way because we mentioned earlier about the editing process of i imagine you know from my point we were constantly nitpicking i don't know if you had that experience as well but you know you're constantly looking at it and you think you've got it and then you have then you realize one shot isn't quite what you want so mm-hmm. this might be a bit of a self-explanatory question in a way but how do you know when a film's done is it simply just a case of there's nothing more i can do with this film it's 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 perfect just the way it is it's it's a really good question actually what you've just said at the end is pretty much what it is like it's just like you work on it so much you've seen it so many times you ask so many hopefully like you've asked enough opinions that people have sort of run out of things to say and then you're you're kind of you're kind of in a in a place where you're like okay the trusted people who usually give me their um opinions and usually have a really you know strong points that they have, I mean everyone's points valid but like I, I usually have a close circle around me who read my scripts and then watch my edits and then they can sort of give me those you know brutal points and with, with no bias involved and it's just mm. there's always bias involved but you know what I'm trying to say <laughs> and then it's just like I can address those and then whatever but yeah I mean you get to a point where you work on a film for so long and uh, and and get to a point where something is telling the story and then you leave it for a couple of weeks because other people are working on it, whether it's visual effects or sound design or whatever, because you've done the edit. And then um, and then you come back to it and then you come back to it again because you have you have to do the color grade or whatever. And you watch it. And it, when it starts to feel right, there's always, by the way, like even during those processes and some of my collaborators get very frustrated because it's like I keep going back. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. There's like a millisecond because I'm very like specific. I don't like to do. Oh, yeah. One second or like three seconds or oh, that I don't know. Sure about that. Or, like, you know, I, I pretty much change everything to the detail if i can um so so that i firstly i'm satisfied with what, what I'm, what's in front of me and mm. then i hope that people that watch it are also satisfied and then when they run out of notes then i get to a point where i'm like the film's done that's it and then if someone <laughs> gives me a note like a few weeks after we've locked i'm like no man we can't no. do anything anymore it is what it is <laughs> enjoy the movie criticize yeah, i just want to enjoy it now yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you do have to get to a point where you have to put your foot down and be like, it's finished, you know. Again, yeah, I'm cool. going to give you a Scorsese thing, which is like Goodfellas finished. Uh, I think they were at the premiere of Goodfellas or something. And then he's sitting in the front row with Nicholas Pledgey, who wrote the script or the book. Um, mm. And and he's basically uh, talking about what he wants to change or something. He's like, oh, that went on for too long or something like that. And then Nick Pledgey is just like, uh, listen, Marty is done. Like, you know what I mean? Enjoy it. Like, like it's over. And then he just has to lean back and just enjoy the rest of the movie. So it's like, I just think it's like a thing where like directors maybe never feel like they finished their film until it's finished. Yeah. And they can't do anything about it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm a bit scared like in the future when like you have like a Warner Brothers or a Universal or like big production companies that are like, Listen, you've got two weeks to edit this or whatever. And two then you weeks. can't do anything again. <laughs> yeah, you've got, you got like no time. And then it's just like you have deadlines. Because you know, post-production is actually very expensive, obviously. Yeah. Uh, because there's so many people working and you have to just get things done in a particular time time frame. Otherwise, it costs more money. So yeah. But one thing I do is I do like to edit my own films at uh, you know, I like to sit in a room with an editor and then we go through it together and mutually edit the film. And then I do spend a lot of time alone with, with, I used to have it on my laptop and I just go through the movie over and over again and just, yeah. so 
So I do have that creative control to change it whenever. I don't know if that's going to be taken away from me in the future, but hopefully not. <laughs> I let Steven Soderbergh edit his own film. So let, let, let's see what happens. That's a good thing. <laughs> I think, um, I, I don't know if you do this, but um, with the case of Find the Light and Path of Ecstasy, um, did you create like a rough, did you make like a really rough cut to begin with, like start to finish? So you, so you had a film in a way, but it was a rough cut and then you made all the changes or did you piece it together scene by scene? and then get to the end and then refine. That's really cool that you asked ask that question, actually, because there's always, like, I think a lot of people, like, okay, I'm I'm actually still deciding this. I don't know what I did so far. I think on on the first film, there was a rough assembly, but it was so, like, not what I wanted. So I was, uh, yeah, it yeah. was actually, like, I was like, oh, my God, this is so <laughs> tough. And also the music that was, uh, yeah, let's not go into that. And then, the, and then the second, and then the second film, I guess there was like a rough thing together, but I asked not to watch it. I said, let's just go through it scene by scene by scene. Yeah. Um, I think going forward, I will get someone on board, like someone who I can work with long-term and then and then they can do an assembly. I'm not sure if I need to watch the assembly, but they could be a reference for them. And every time we go through a scene, I could just look at their assembly. Yeah, actually, what, what, what I think my process is going to be that for each scene, there is a cut up sequence if you have a few different shots they can cut it up and see what works but and then i do just want to go through it scene by scene by scene i don't want to see what happens at the end or anything like that. i don't want to think about that right now mm. i think the only time it's important is if you need to know if there's going to be a pickup day or something you know if you need to know are we going to do additional photography then you do need to get your editor or you need to sit down and be like what do we have here and you have to judge it and you have to cut it together and maybe do like a rough assembly and be like okay this certain thing scenes missing or certain things aren't working this is what we need to do i guess from that standpoint a rough assembly is uh cool and important and whatever mm. but in terms of how i would like to work scene by scene by scene one yeah. thing at a time good stuff and i think i've uh, just got a couple more questions for you today man um one i think uh, is really interesting is color grading and um again it's another experience i had with my uh short film last year you know finding the way of you know and i think it's good to know like if you shoot a film uh, or, or a scene and it like it's too bright, but there, there is a way in post to actually nullify that brightness to actually make it look like, you know, what you want essentially. So, um, what's what are the basics of color grading, and how has it helped you in your editing processes? Yeah, I mean, like I've just I've just learned so much about grading on the last two shorts. Before that, even the, the short before I did, which I produced, Slave to the Page, the I don't know anything about, you know color and lighting and all this sort of stuff i would say i pretty much don't know anything i'm so interested in that world because i need to have a better understanding in order to communicate what i need and want so i've been sitting in the color grading sessions and you know I, i'm a brilliant uh colorist on the last film felipe and then um on this on this film um max ferguson hook who basically mm -hmm. graded the movie and, and it looks so brilliant i had mm -hmm. to sort of just learn to articulate shadows and um exposure and lights and picking out certain things and creating vignettes and all that sort of stuff it was just a sort of learning as i was just asking questions and learning as i was watching mm -hmm. him and uh, and felipe on the last film and i guess it's just a yeah there is so much you can do like it's technology has come such a long way it's so brilliant um like peter jackson just restored lord of the rings trilogy on 4k and it went from like certain scenes looking really blue and dark to like now looking green and blue and quite bright. And like, I've got it on 4k and I'm watching it, you know, watching on my setup sometimes. And it's just like, 
wow like he's pretty much trans like i i have those images locked in my head from childhood so i know what they actually look like i don't even mm. need to get the dvd i know what it looks like <laughs> and it, and he's changed it he's transformed it and he probably just had so much more um he you know the 4k restoration probably opportunity for him to just play with the colors and get it closest to what he really wanted and mm. maybe that technology wasn't available back in those days yeah. so yeah when you're when you've got your footage and you've got your assembly and you go um to the uh, and work with the colorist there's so much you can do and sometimes when you're watching log footage for a very long time like just how you shot it basically if you and you're editing like that you see a film a certain way and then you work with the colorist and you kind of lose things sometimes you're watching and like no 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 no. i remember looking in his eyes at that moment and he i really felt something oh i can't really see him doing that anymore so you have to just sort of find a balance they might go a bit too far a little bit with 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 the grade and you have to bring it back Mm. not bring it back to the log the log is just something you don't want to see because it's just it's just the way you captured it and you obviously need the grade on it but it's just like you don't want to lose things that you captured so you so it's it's, i like editing with log footage because then i know every all the things we have i was like okay even though this doesn't look like a movie right now it just looks like footage it does um i do know what we've got so when we're when we're in the grade the colorist has applied his stuff and he's focusing on the look and the cinematography and i'm focusing on everything that as well as am i losing in uh, you know mike gibson's emotion in that moment or louis the way louis looking in a certain direction or you know george mckay how how yellow his top is or whatever it is it's like you have to address all these things and you have to tone things down and you have to so yeah it's it is it is um its own artistry honestly it's so there's so much you can do with that yeah um, it's very exciting i can't wait to learn more as i keep making movies um and get more and more specific with it but mm. as it stands it's, it's very exciting where we've ended up with especially with grading yeah amazing i think that sounds so cool like all the elements behind the camera or in the mm. editing room afterwards but i, I do have to say there there is there is only so much you can do so at times like some okay. like you say can you increase the lighting i think it was one of the things you said and i was like I did ask that sometimes, and the the, the it it looks it, it doesn't do what you want because there's only so much details that a camera can capture sometimes, and mm-hmm. you might have done it a certain way on the day. You can manipulate that, but you don't want to go. To, sometimes the, the colorist or the cinematographer just be like, you can't do that. It's going to look too pale, or it's going to sort of take the audience out. And mm-hmm. you know, the main thing about I guess filmmaking is like you don't want the audience to know what you're doing, and 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 it needs to be seamless so for me it's all you know that's why I'm, when i'm saying it's too extreme i don't want it to be too extreme because i'm i want i want to i want the audience not to feel like it's too extreme and i just want them to follow the story and nothing distracting them too much yeah but yeah just to just to add that there is there are limitations as well yeah i'm and just quickly i'm curious to know about obviously as you say technology has come a long way you know peter jackson's updating his stuff at the moment um is there, is there anything in the ed- editing or te- technical side of things that you're you're not able to to do yet? No, 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 not as in like a like a restriction on, on your own talent or anything. But is there something? Is there a piece of equipment or a piece of technical ability which is not available yet that you think you would like to have access to? If that makes sense, is it is there anything that technology can't do at the moment for for filmmakers? I honestly am like just at the 
point where I'm still discovering things because there's so much. So I wouldn't say, I think we're in the opposite side where there's too much. You okay. know? And also it's really exciting, this virtual sets now where like you can mm. literally film on location and gra gra grab that, I think, I believe it. And then they stick it into the system and then it pretty much creates a VR. Or they maybe make it from scratch. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure they get the footage on these very high res cameras and then they, and they get a 360 thing and then they put it, and, and and then they have actors and stuff standing in these virtual studios and like the Mandalorian, for example. I don't really, I to, to be honest, I don't know how they do it mm. at this stage, but they do use these sets, virtual sets, and I do think they are the future because they just look incredible. It genuinely looks real. Like I don't know because mm. because the, the if you change a camera angle, the lighting can be adjusted so easily and stuff like that. So it actually saves you so much time. It's so efficient, and I think the actors. You know, I haven't spoken to an actor about it, but I think it works for them because they are seeing the set. It's not a green screen. Yeah, yeah. It's the set. So it's, you know, they can put themselves there. If, I'm sure it's, it must be easier. It might, it might be a nice middle ground, I guess, between actually being there or a green screen. Mm. Um, and then other things like VR, like, yeah, I genuinely, yeah, I don't know how I feel about it because I always thought there was such a poetry to just watching a film for two hours, not a mini series or a series, or just two hour movie, which you know doesn't tell you a man's entire life, woman's entire life, or a person's entire life, but it kind of leaves the impression of one. Which I think I've just stolen a quote from a, a film called Mank, which is about the creation of Citizen Kane. But mm -hmm. basically, yeah, it, it kind of leaves the impression, and I just love the poetry of that. And you can fill in the blanks, so or you can resonate with it with it from your own life or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think. We're getting to a point now where there's so much content and there's a lack of subtlety. Um, and also VR is like gonna is basically like we're getting into video game film and video game are like connecting and it's becoming this new thing. Um, you know, and even The Last of Us being this incredibly immersive video game now turned into a series, it's like it's just a matter of time before these things start submerging. When I was younger, I used to play the Modern Warfare games, and even them, they just had incredible storylines, and yeah. they were so fun to play. It's and so good. The you know just the, the betrayal and the story and all sorts of stuff. Like in and then and then and then also just you know there's some iconic images like him throwing the knife and it landing in the eye as like the final thing in Modern Warfare Two, and also oh. the music was done by Hans Zimmer. There's just some crazy stuff in that, even Grand Theft Auto and stuff like that. So it's like. It's always, you know, there's always been, especially in the 21st century, there's always been like a movement towards games with storylines. But yeah, to answer your question very simply, I don't know where we're going and I don't know if I'm excited about it because I love the old cinema of the 20th century, um, 70s and the 80s especially, and the mm. 60s and the 50s and the 40s. But... But uh, yeah, uh, even the 2000s was cool, man. There'll be Blood and the Dark yeah. Knight and Lord of the Rings films and whatever. But it's just like, yeah, yeah I don't know where we're going, man. <laughs> I'm really <laughs> just sort of sitting back. And I'm going to be making, hopefully making movies during this time. And I'm just like, what is the appetite of the audience? Mm. I don't know. I think it keeps changing. I don't think we've found, I don't think, I don't think we've quite found what people want right now. I think, I do think, I was hoping it was going to be James Cameron with his new Avatar film, where he just does something that we weren't expecting. Yeah. What he did was he just made, the uh, like, he pushed the visual effects further than it's ever been pushed. So the yeah. visual effects in Avatar, the way of water, are just incredible, like groundbreaking, incredible. Like, yeah. everything just looks real. Um, 
I wasn't a massive fan, but I'm a big supporter. I'm not a massive fan of the film, but I'm a big supporter of James Cameron and what he's doing and very happy to contribute to his box office. But it still hasn't happened. I think we're waiting for a film or a production or something to just push the whole thing in a new direction. Hmm. Yeah. I look forward to um to, to seeing that to seeing that. I wonder if we'll, I wonder if we'll ever get the answer to that. Will we ever find out? we will it's just a matter of time honestly i can just feel it it's gonna it's gonna be a movie which is almost like a video game or something like that you put on your <laughs> vr headset and 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 they could you'll have lots of different options of where the story could go and then people will just play it over and over again or watch the movie over and over again. i don't know it's, yeah I, I i don't know i'm just guess gaming here but like <laughs> who knows well, you know, the possibilities. And the reason people go to the cinema is because when it rains, it rains. When it's sun, they'll stick a heater on top. Who knows? Like, I don't know. You know, like it's going to be an immersive thing. I think we're going to. I think so. and There'll be like people like me who will just keep going to those indie cinemas and trying to watch old movies, trying to remember what it used to be like. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, who knows? The possibilities, man, they're going to be endless. Um, so yeah. just got just got two more questions for you today, man. Um, and, just, and thanks so much again for coming on. I really appreciate it uh so well, preparation channel. oh yeah um so just going back to um your work find the light and path ecstasy as well so obviously you've worked with great actors mike gibson uh louis circus george mckay um it's like what and of course as actors you know we want to you know we prepare for the roles like you prepare to shoot we prepare to do the character um is there anything in particular you want your actors to have prepared ready obviously learn your lines of course but um is there anything additional you would like them to have already prepared um, for you before they come on set? Yeah, I mean, we'd probably have a discussion about it. It's different for each actor, but it's just like, I guess just, just, I guess the main thing is just ask me any question and ask me before the film. Like, it's great to ask things on the day, but I can really take my time and explain things earlier and we can discover the character. And that's a very mutual process. And and you know just learning your lines just basics i'm pretty sure most people do that i've never had an issue with that before hmm. um and then on the day if there's an issue or problem we just deal with it together but hmm. yeah i guess in terms of like actors i already think they do a lot to be honest everyone i've worked with i've hmm. been really proud to work with them and they've given it their all so yeah i i don't i don't know that's their artistry so as right. as long as as long as they're on the day and they we're getting what we need to tell the story i'm happy so right um, um and in prep we'll just do the usual things we'll meet up we'll talk about it whatever and then we'll address anything that they need to prep or do and usually i like to give actors sometimes i like to give them music to get them into a certain headspace or i like to um give them references to other films i make a list for them and mm. sometimes that could be about sometimes you have to be really careful with that but I do that could be about what the character likes or enjoys so like a little but it could also be what could get them into the headspace for the character or or for the film so yeah you know Schindler's List is a good one if you're about to work on Find the Light because it's just it's just a certain vibe because it's it makes you it gives you a little bit of hope but at the same time it's a very depressing watch and I remember giving that to the young actor on the first film. I wasn't I wasn't sure if he was going to be allowed to watch it, but I think he did watch it with his family or whatever. But it's just like, I just yeah. give people things like that. And then for this film, I think I said Enter the Void, which is a film, like a very like hmm. perspective film, orange, yellow colours about someone who takes drugs and then they go through this lucid experience 
and I just yeah it just had like a vibe Gaspar Noé was you know big influence I guess on this film and 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 part of ecstasy and his just like yeah the way he sees the world and so yeah it could, it could be whatever to be honest mm. depends on the project depends on the person yeah it's great mm-hmm. and um so in terms of um what is given you already like the whole process of filmmaking and I think you've mentioned uh today about um one thing you you'd give you change is is to give yourself more time and allow yourself to have you know more of it and sort of and not sort of feel pressured by it in a way um do you think uh, so what's just sort of my second to last question really is um what what so far in your career what has filmmaking given you and what has it taken away do you think yeah i mean filmmaking is a commitment so um, when I was starting out, you know, I was dedicating seven days a week. So I was working all the time. Yeah. Uh, my job was only five days a week, but I wanted to just be on set. So I networked and I sort of made sure that I was working even on my weekends and et cetera. And then some jobs I was working on the weekends you were working and the week, the new weekend was Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So people had to adapt to that. So what I'm trying to say is like, it is very much a commitment and it kind of controls your life in a way. And depending on what you're doing, if you're working in-house and you're whatever, it's just a nine to five. Sometimes you stay a few hours extra or whatever. And, you know, I don't speak for everyone. I'm just speaking for the role I had. Mm. And, and, and it's just like you, uh, yeah, you have more flexibility when you're working on set. There's overtime. You stay late. You know, you turn up hours early. I always used to turn up maybe two hours before, call time before so you get your boss breakfast and you get yourself breakfast you get yourself ready or whatever Mm. um especially when i was starting out that was the way it was and even if you don't have to get you have to do anything for your boss and you're your own boss you want to be there an hour early you know Mm. i think i read yesterday i heard spielberg talking about him and tom cruise just turning up on set before everyone else and just standing there and talking through what's going to happen during the day on, I think they worked on minority report and war of the worlds. And that was the way they work together. So mm. professionals, that's what they do. They want to be there. They want to be planned. They want to be ready. And what I'm trying to say is what it gives you is so much. It gives you a family. It gives you, you know, it gives you, you're, you're telling stories. It's like a dream job. People love to be a part of it. I've, Films have helped me survive all my life. They've given me mm. so much, you know, and yeah. I've never felt alone because of film. And and I guess, so it gives me everything in a way. It's my job, it's my passion, you know, it's what I love. Um, and it gives you friends and so much to look forward to. And then then at the same time, what it takes away from you, it takes away your time. It takes away yeah. that. If you, you have other hobbies and stuff, you might not be able to invest in them as much. And um, so so it is a real commitment, you know, and it's not for everyone. I, for me, it's for me. It's like I can't imagine myself doing anything else. And it's a dream that this is even becoming a reality. Mm. But yeah, for a lot of people, it might be too much and too intense. Mm. And but yeah, it's each to their own, to be honest. And a lot of other industries are also incredibly intense like film so it's not to say that film is like this thing and everyone else is yeah. having a joyride it's like yeah yeah it's it, it really depends um but it's definitely something very special to be a part of absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. and just and just finally um today man um uh, what what would you say 
um, has been an experience you've had in your career up to this point that you're never, ever going to forget, do you think? So many different things. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's like... Okay, there's quite there's a few, many, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, there's so many, you know, stepping on that set on Find the Light the first day and having my little actor's dictionary and just sitting there and people turning up an hour late because they didn't know where the location was. And I'm thinking, oh, is this film even going to be made? And what's going on? And then just stepping on that set and having this internal feeling, which I, until today, I'm just like, wow, like that was the moment I realized that this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. That is never going to, that you know, that experience is never going to disappear. I'm never going to forget it, that first movie. And then also the second movie, but also just like working on those sets, like, 1917 or you know when george does that famous run now we were there on that day it was like a cloud of ashes and smoke or whatever it was yeah. like you know descending on us and we had to do these resets but when he fell and the extra bumped into him i remember just watching it live and i was like i was like no, 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 all cheering we're like get out george come on come on and then like uh, and then like and then at the same time, like I remember standing at the monitor and we did like a couple of takes and I was like, me and like the crew were just like, that has to be the one. That has to be the one. Because it's mm. just like, it's that is the most natural one. That's like, he's literally accidentally fallen and he kept going. And yeah, it was incredible. And that ended up being in the film. So it was just like, I don't know, there's just, you know, <laughs> and then going up to him and then talking about it. And then like, it's just incredible. And then also, um, you know, when you're walk, working on these films and you're seeing all of this happening, you're also seeing how the, especially as a creator, you're seeing what the how the director reacts. You're looking at how the writer or the cinematographer, how does how do all of them feel about it? You know, you're getting all these idiosyncratic things mm -hmm. that you can't really put into words unless you wrote a whole book about how it was <laughs> to work on that movie. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, they all these little things stick with you. You know, people's reactions, people's commitments, people's passions, and then also just like Star Wars, for example, so much, man. Like yeah. the rap party is one that I'll never forget. It's, that was like that was <laughs> yeah. like a crazy rap party. It was like three floors. Um, you know, you had like a Jamie Oliver cooking dinner, like for like all the head of departments. I remember this is what happened. I, I go to Old Billingsgate. I go in. I've never been there before. And I go into the elevator. There walks out Tilda Swinton, and she looks at me dead in the eye. I'm like, whoa. We go into the elevator. End up on a random floor. Jamie Oliver's like everyone's sitting there and he's like cooked food for everyone and I don't know he's doing a speech I don't know what was happening there to be honest I, I needed to get out I took a U-turn quick because I was like wrong floor and then like I went to a different <laughs> floor and it was like an Alice in Wonderland garden and people were just like having such a great time and there was like there was like cloudy champagne which is like weird so like you had to like I, I didn't even know that existed it was like it was sort of coming out in like clouds and people were like had to drink it by like breathing it in i don't i don't know until today i'm like okay what was that and then that there's people that. like on the ceiling there's people on the ceiling like hanging down and like like little creatures and stuff and then <laughs> there's just there's just people you've worked with for months and months and months eight or nine months and you're just like you're just so happy to see them and be celebrating with them and then on another floor there's a dynamo doing like tricks on the floor and 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 other stuff going on there and and yeah it was just like an incredible night and i always think to myself 
if I like, there's so many different ways that night could have gone. If I didn't hang around with a certain person, or if I didn't do this, or I didn't do that, I could have done something totally different. I could have, it's just one of the, I think that's what I, that's what I also love about film festivals, not to go derail, but just like, I love how film festivals, like sometimes you can only watch one movie at, obviously you can only watch one movie at a time, but mm. then there's so many films premiering around you, like a yeah. place like Toronto, which, which, which where I went. And that's really exciting. It's like an atmosphere where, yeah everyone is just enjoying themselves and you can't control it you have to let go and you're just like yeah i'm just going to go along with the ride and it is what it is so yeah lots of incredible memories and hopefully many more to come yeah, yeah. yeah. and just and just quickly i mean that scene in 1917 where george is running running down that's one of my favorite scenes in in cinema in film in general and it's so that was born out of um, an extra accidentally bumping into him it's and, pretty much yeah, yeah. oh but I find really funny about that. It's like he bumps into him and then in the film he just dies. Like he doesn't <laughs> get back up. I'm just like that was like I didn't I don't remember noticing that on the day because we were so busy with like focusing on George. But in retrospect, it's like like wait, hang on a sec. <laughs> is that how you die in the world? In the world? Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know. know. It's just funny. It's just one of those movie things. It's like, oh maybe he got up after like a minute. Who knows? You know, yeah. maybe he just I Maybe it's her. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you like, yeah, it's, you know, Sam Mendes directed that movie. That's it's yeah. film history. I'm really glad to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Abdullah, thank, thank you so much, man. I've really, really loved, loved talking to you today. It's been great to hear about your career. And, you know, just as I've said a few times, you're, you're already achieved so much and you're, you're going to just keep going, man, and achieve so much in your life. And I can't wait to see what, what else you've got. You know, you're obviously your next short and obviously your, your features and stuff that are coming up. And um yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing you seeing more of your work, man. And I think it's just gonna keep getting better. And um and and once again, thank you for the opportunity for Path to Ecstasy, man. It was I really mean that. It was a really lovely shoot. Um I met incredible people like yourself, Mike, uh Louis, and some other greats. Um and also like the, the crew as well, the cinematographers, the the sound people and everything. It was a real real good good shoot and that's a testament to yourself of how you how how you like to work and also how you like to create create things as well so 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 thank you for that i really really appreciate it no thank thank you oliver thank you for being part of the film firstly and then also for doing this um it's very cool to talk about the film and talk about the journey it's yeah incredible and congratulations on this podcast you've got so many cool people oh. and I'm sure the guests are just going to get better. They're obviously going to get better. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll put it out there. I'll put it out there to the universe. So let's see what happens. But anyway, um, if you just hang on, I'll, I'll finish the recording. I'll say goodbye to you one-to-one, -one, man. And uh, But guys, this has been the Uncensored Critic Podcast, and I will be back very soon. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you for listening. And once again, Abdullah Khan, thank you, sir. Thank you.